Thanks for joining us today for Bread of Life, a ministry of Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. At the core of our ministry is the conviction that Christ is our sufficiency in all things. Our prayer is that the message today might bring your thoughts near to Christ's abundant grace. To contact us, please call us at 208-331-4096. That number again is 208-331-4096. And now here for a brief introduction is our speaker, Joel Van Hoogen. The story of Jericho and the victory of the Jews, a band of primarily unarmed former slaves over the powerfully fortified city of Jericho, is a picture of the promised victory that God has given to the church in every age and to the Christian in any age. You have been promised victory. Weak as you are, the walls of resistance to your walk of faith found in yourself, found in the world in which you live, found in the power of Satan that resists all around you, those walls are meant to come crashing down. We have not just been born for a battle. We have been born for victory. But if we're not winning in this battle, we can, if we're ready to take the steps of faith that lead us into the victories of faith. Those areas where you find yourself going back, in a sense, to the same old rut God has promised to get you out of that rut and to give you victory. And that should be, that will be, if, you're, if you've got the impulse of life within you, spirit-filled life, the life of God dwelling within His people of faith. That's what you want to hear because you want that victory. You have grown to hate your sin. You have grown over time to hate more and more Satan's accusations and his obstructions in your life. You hate the priorities that seem to be set out in the world around you, in a world that doesn't want God to be at the center of what they do and how they live. You hate it. If you don't, something's wrong. And you don't simply hate this as an opinion, you know, something that somehow you've picked up from somebody else and it's an uninformed opinion. You hate it from your own experience. You hate it because of your own encounters with these things, your own encounter with your struggle over sin, your own encounter with Satan's accusations, your own encounter and the refusal to want to go in the direction that the world is pressing you. It's not just an opinion in your mind. It's an experience that's given you and helped you gain an irritation and an antagonism against these things. You have been battling against these things a long time, and the truth is you're tired of them. And you want victory over them. You want to live with an upper hand against sin and selfishness and Satan. And, well, you have it. God's promised it to you. God's promised you the upper hand in all these things. Take your Bibles and go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Let me just read to you verses 3 through 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verses 3 through 5. Think of those great walls that you might come against, the Jerichos that seem to impede your progress into living for God and glorifying God and your surrender to Him and victory in Christ pressing in to impact all the various areas of your life. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. That is, although we live in our bodies, these bodies that are plagued by sin, we do not war according to the flesh, according to the dictates of that body. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God, For the pulling down of strongholds. 
casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought in captivity to the obedience of Christ. That's victory. In other words, what is being promised here is that these walls fall before us. They fall before us and will fall before us. We have been promised victory. In 1 John chapter 4, John speaks of the false and evil spirits that are active in our world, spirits that promote false ideas, that deny the reality and seek to replace the reality of Christ's rule in our lives or seek to actually provide us with thoughts and ideas and concepts that would replace Christ in our life. They're the spirits of Antichrist, a replacement Christ for us. Having spoke about these evil spirits that come against us all around us in verse 4 of 1 John chapter 4, John says this to Christians though, you are of God, little children, and you've overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he that's in the world. Another way of saying it is this, you were born into a battle, but you were born into a battle where victory is your birthright in Jesus Christ. And you should expect often to watch the walls that stand before you and confront us and tower over us and sometimes seem to overwhelm us. You should expect to see them crumble and thud at your feet. God's promised us this kind of victory. Our victory will not happen as a church or as individuals, though, through some great exertion of our own personal power, through some attempt for us to try to experience it or bring it about by our own efforts. And it won't happen for the church because the church organizes and lays out some plan that puts into practice all of its corporate abilities to accomplish victory. You don't bring down Satan and sin and self and a whole society that is energized by these, by the arms of your flesh, or by the strategies of your own intellect and ability. For these things to fall, God has to be at work. God has to accomplish something. But God has promised this to us. Paul, who, it's interesting, if you read First and Second Corinthians, you'll see that Paul is confronting not only the resistance and challenges that are outside of the church, but all the problems that happen with inside the church. And they're complex, and they're profoundly discouraging if you look at them and read them. And yet in the face of these things that seem to get in the way of Paul's mission, Paul says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. Thanks be to Christ, who always leads us in triumph in Christ. Somehow, before all these walls, Paul is giving the shout of victory. We're victors. These walls fall before Jesus Christ. It's God's promise to the church. Historically, it's proven itself to be true. It's God's promise to you. It's God's promise to you individually. Do you want to get there? I mean, do you want to live that way? Who here doesn't want to, in a sense, be a winner? We want to be victorious. We want to live a life of victory and winning, and I'm not here trying to sell a popular book, right? I'm not trying to appeal to just fleshly appetites, but God has put that instinct within you. God's the one who's promised victory. God's given us an instinct to prevail, to be identified and walk with the one who is the Lion of Judah. We want it. We want victory. If you're a healthy Christian, you want it so bad at times you can taste it. You want it. And oftentimes you feel as though you're not getting it. Sometimes you look in your hand and you're 
trailing behind everybody else and everybody has weapons and you don't? How come I didn't get the weapons that guy has? Right? Just be silent. Keep walking around. God's promised you victory. Let's look at one last thing here. And I'll just tell you this. Before Israel came to the moment of victorious victory or victorious faith that we see in this passage, there were other acts of faith that had to come first before these walls could fall. And so let me just say to you, God has victory and He wants to give you this victory and He has promised it to you, to the church and to His individuals. But you've got to actually exercise yourself in other expressions of faith first. And if you don't, you'll never, you'll never hear these walls come down. You'll never see them come down. You'll never know this victory. And so I want to briefly take you through the other things that God had to take Israel through to bring that victory to them. For that, you might take your Bibles and want to go back to chapter 3 of Joshua. I want to share with you the similar steps of faith that we have to take in order to experience the victory that God has promised to us. And the first thing is this. You see this in Joshua chapter 3. There must be a closing off and a closing in of faith. Put it down. There has to be a closing off and a closing in of faith to bring you to a place of victorious faith. Israel in Joshua chapter 3 crosses the Jordan River at flood season. A great miracle takes place. As you remember, the priests are holding the ark. They're leading the people. As they put their feet into the swelling tide of the Jordan, the waters begin to part and they're able to walk across on dry land. The water is held up before them and all the people get across. And once all the people get across, we're told they're able to grab stones out of the middle of the water. You find this in the next chapter, chapter 4, where they make a memorial to this great event that they put down in the place called Gilgal. But after all this has been done, what happens? The, the water closes over. And the flood of the Jordan rises up behind them again. And here's where the people of Israel find themselves. The people of Israel find themselves at that moment in time, they're to their backs, the swelling tide of the Jordan River. They're not going back where they were again. They're not able to get back across in the wilderness. And in front of them, what they have is the fortress of Jericho. And they have the Amorites and the Hittites and the Canaanites and the Perizzites and the Hevites and the Jebusites. And they're all armed to the teeth. And they've all been trained at war. And they're all better outfitted for war. And they're standing against them. What you have in the story here is a people who have closed themselves off from retreat. And as a result, closed themselves in completely to God. God, you're going to have to work. God, you're going to have to accomplish something because otherwise there's no way forward. Listen, you cannot live by faith and be thinking when or where, or how, or what point you're going to retreat or throw in the towel. You can't live by faith and think, now if this doesn't work out, there's this plan B and this plan C, and no. There has to be this absolute, utter surrender to the way and will and purpose of God that you close off from yourself all avenues of escape, all avenues of retreat from God, and you shut yourself into God alone, where God alone can work. It's not the place where many of us live, and as a result, many of us don't experience the victory that God would have for us. But you see examples of this throughout the Scripture. You can think about Elisha, who was called to be a prophet by Elijah. 
He's out plowing in his field and God has appointed Elijah to come and throw his mantle over Elisha to say that Elisha now is going to take over at some point in time the role and position as the prophet, the primary prophet of God to the people of Israel. So Elijah walks through the field as Elisha is behind a plow, plowing his father's field, being pulled by a pair of oxen. Elijah throws his mantle over Elisha and moves on the way. And here's what we read that Elisha's response is. He goes and he builds an altar. He takes the oxen, the pair of oxen that were plowing him. He puts the plow on the altar to burn. And then he takes and slays the oxen and lays the oxen inside of the burning plow as an expression of dedication to God. What is Elisha saying? He's saying, look, if this prophecy thing doesn't work out for me, I'm not going back to farming. I'm shutting myself into God and I'm shutting out from my life this past this pathway, whatever, whatever it was, however good it was, I'm not going back there. I'm not giving myself an out. God's going to have to work. God's going to have to answer. God's going to have to fulfill His promise. I'm closing off that from myself and I'm closing myself into God alone for God alone to do His work. Yes, there are no exit ramps in the life of faith. If you're oftentimes looking for the off-ramps from God's call in your life, you need to know that this is keeping you from the victories God holds in store for you. And there's nothing better than to know, even in hard times, that you've been sealed into God and you're not going back on His call in your life. Join us in our next broadcast as we consider two more essential steps in the life of faith that lead us into the victories of faith. You have been listening to the Bread of Life Radio and listening to portions of messages delivered at the Bread of Life Fellowship Church in Boise, Idaho. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, God bless you.